Nobody even smiled at that. Don't fall asleep, all right? This will be good. But um, real quick, uh, in case you missed um, last week, uh, we got to celebrate baptisms, which are always just really encouraging um, for the life of our church. Um, and I just want to encourage you to continue to pray that people would come to know Jesus. Um, those times, like at the uh, uh, when people are up here giving their testimony, when we get to see life change, encourage me more than anything else as a pastor. And just getting to see people begin to trust Christ with their life is just always very, very thrilling for me, for the church. And so just continue to pray toward that, that we would see God continue to draw people toward himself, that he would embolden us, right, as missionaries, as ambassadors of him, that he would bolden us to, um, to, to, to preach the gospel to people that he's put us around and just um, that we would see his name made much of because that's what we're here for, right, to see Jesus made much of. And so um, just continue to pray for that. Um, I'm really hoping, I'll just be up front, you know what I'm praying for, is that we'd be able to have another baptism before the year ends and that we would see some more people. We have a few people who um, want to line up, but some even more people to be able to come along and have another big baptism celebration. And so just keep praying toward that. Um, it's November, so the year's almost through. And so um, I would love to see God just doing good work in people's hearts um, before them. Amen. Good deal. All right, so we're in the middle of a sermon series today um, looking at how our stories personally kind of intersect with God's stories, right? So what does it look like for our life to kind of cross into the story that God has for us, and how do we know if we're living out the story that God wants us um, to live out? And so today we're going to be talking about work, all right? The fun, thrilling topic of work, all right? The thing that everybody loves. So work is such an integral part of our lives, right? Because it's really where we spend most of it. Like if you think about your waking hours, you probably spend more time at work than at any other place except for maybe in your bed, right? And so you work for at least eight hours, even the commute there and back, you have a lot of time that's sort of dedicated um, to work. And along with this, I think that many people have a pretty poor theology of work right? Like, what is work? Why did God even create it? And so um, we want to look at uh, why does God want us to work? Why did God even create work in the first place? And then how this kind of plays in with God's story and how we can interact with this on our lives to interact with God's story as a whole, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Um, we will start off in Genesis chapter 2 because looking at why God created something, Genesis 1 and 2 is always a good place to start. Um, and so we'll be there. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there should be some under every second and third chair somewhere around you. Um, also, uh, you can follow along on your smartphone. Um, if you have uh, the Uversion app, you can um, click that um, and go underneath the Well Austin, or you can take that link, put it right into your browser, and you'll be able to follow along um, that way, all right? Um, so I've been very excited to talk about today um, since our community group on Tuesday uh, because we actually talked a lot about work on Tuesday and a lot of what I'll be saying I actually stole from our community group, all right? So thank you, community group. Uh, this will be some of your material as well. Um, but, and I'll take the credit for it, so thank you. Um, Genesis chapter 2, and we are going to pick it right up in verse 5. It says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plants of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right, and so what do we see in these verses? 
Well, God himself is working, right? So you can start in Genesis chapter 1 when God said, let there be. And you can kind of go all the way over here. God is even forming things, it says here, right? Like we see God personally working with his hand, sort of forming man. And so what does this mean? Is having a job inherently bad? No, right? Because God himself is a worker, right? Are you following that? And so you see that God himself, when many people think of job or work, they think that it's like something that happened after the fall, right? So they think that like in the garden, we were just like kind of kicking back, drinking a lemonade, and then Adam and Eve sinned, and then we had to go work, right? That's what most people kind of think of work in that way, but that's not true, right? Because we see that God himself even was working even before he created man, okay? And so because God is a worker and because God created us in the Imago Dei or the image of God, we reflect him when we ourselves work, all right? You tracking with that? So it's a, it's a myth or it's a bad myth really to think that work is evil. In reality, work is good. For if work is evil, then God himself would be evil because God is a worker, right? Um, And so point one, and this is an important point to begin to shape our thought life around this idea, is that God created work good, okay? That's your first point here. God created work good, all right? Now, some of you are like, I don't know about that, and we'll go into some of the deeper theology of that, but in its original creation, God actually created work good, and so in order for us to walk in the plan that God has for us, in order for us to interact our lives and our stories with God's greater story, we have to realize that work is a big part of it, and God created work good, okay? That's kind of our first point. In John chapter 4, actually, when the Pharisees are complaining about Jesus working on the Sabbath, Jesus said, my father has been working ever since the beginning, and so I now too am working like him. Because Jesus was saying, hey, look, I'm God. I'm just like God. God the Father has been working ever since the creation, and I myself will continue to work just like him. And so Jesus even paints a picture of the Father as a worker, and he himself relates to that, right? So God is a worker. God created work good. But it wasn't just God who did good work, okay? Look, jump down to verse 15 here. In, verse, in chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to what? What's that say? Work it, right, and keep it, Okay. And so God created man to work, and some people think, oh, I wish I was in the garden, then I wouldn't have to work. But surprise, you would have been in the garden and you would have been working. You would have been a gardener, okay, because that's what God had called Adam to do was literally to work. So God made man and then said, hey, one of the things I'm going to have you do is work. Remember, the fall happens Genesis 3. This is before the fall, right? And so God is working, and Adam himself began to work as well, all right? Um, I actually think that there will be work in heaven as well. All right, some of you just got a little bit disappointed. Don't worry, okay, there will be redemption and there will be no more fall, which we'll get to in a second. And I think that you'll end up loving your job because you'll have a good theology of work. And you'll be able to see that your work actually glorifies God. It actually makes much of Jesus in the process, but we'll get to that in a second. But God created man to work, right? And ladies, lest you think this is just men because it's just Adam, jump down to verse 18 and you yourselves are supposed to be working too. Every single lady's head went down on that. I love that. Everybody like looked down, right? But men and women, both, okay, were created to work, right? They were created, and this is a way that we can glorify God is through our work or is through our jobs, okay? Well, if you're not familiar with the biblical narrative, 
in chapter 3, just a couple verses after this, Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and they did something that God called them not to do, all right? And so from this point on, God then has to come down and begin to work in redemption of man, and things begin to get cursed, right? As a result, sin enters the world, and it begins to mar God's creation. It begins to mess it up and make it look the way that it shouldn't be looking, right? And so now, entering the picture, Genesis 3, God's talking to Adam and Eve. He's already cursed the serpent, which we know is, is Satan, right, Who the one who deceived even Adam to eat from the fruit. But now God starts to talk to Adam. And if you jump down to chapter 3, verse 17, look what he says. This is very interesting, okay, because what a lot of people will say is that God cursed Adam, right? There's never been a curse on man, not in these verses, right? Now, man brings curse upon themselves when they disobey God, but God himself didn't curse Adam, but look what he cursed, verse 17. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not uh, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, the ground. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Okay? And so what are these verses saying? Well, work now post-fall is going to be really, really hard. Right? Is that true? Yes, can I get an amen to that? Work is hard sometimes, isn't it? Work is very, very hard. It feels as if it's doing nothing but producing thorns and thistles. So imagine if you're a gardener, right, and your job is to tend to the plants. This is before, like, Home Depot made those gardening gloves, okay? I'm sure that Adam was just in the ground with his hands, right? And then thorns and thistles were being produced, cutting up his hand, making it a lot harder to cultivate the ground, right? And so maybe take the thorns and thistles and put them into whatever your job is. Maybe you deal with people. You know, there are some thorny and thistly people, right? Maybe you deal with computers. Maybe you deal with whatever it may be. It seems like work begins to produce hard. It's hard to cultivate the way that God called us to do now, right? And that's because of this right here in Genesis 3. Even if you love your job, you could probably think of 37 things right now without even thinking that you can complain about your job, right? Right? I mean, some of you may really, really enjoy your job, but I'm sure there are a lot of things that's like, this is really hard about my job. There are very few jobs in which you just sit down and kind of do nothing and get a whole lot of money for doing it, right? If you sit down and kind of do nothing, you probably don't get a whole lot of money and you want more money, so then you got to figure out something else, right? And so work is hard, okay? But let me tell you something. Just because you cannot realize your highest aspiration in work doesn't mean that you've chosen the wrong profession, okay? Or that you're not called to that profession or that you should spend your whole life kind of looking for the perfect job that's devoid of any problem. That just won't exist, okay, because we live in the fall. You should expect to be regularly frustrated at your jobs, right, because the jobs are still under the curse because there is still sin in the world because you and I are sinners and sin and because the world is groaning, waiting for Christ to come, it's going to produce hard things for you, right? And so just because your job is hard doesn't necessarily mean that's not what you're supposed to be doing, right? I feel very, very called to be a pastor, but sometimes it's really, really hard to operate day to day, right? It's stressful, it's burdening, it's tiring, it's frustrating on my family, it's frustrating on my own life. That doesn't mean that I'm not called to it, 
but your job will produce thorns and thistles, okay? And so if you're trying to figure out your story and how your story interacts with God's story, knowing that work is a big part of it, know that just because there are things that are, are frustrating or, or problematic at your job doesn't mean that you weren't called there, but you have to realize that God actually created work in its original state as good. And we, as agents of grace, as people who have been redeemed by God, can also begin to see work be redeemed as well. Right, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, uh, we can see that God has great effect for those around us and even in our own lives through our job. Christ became a curse so that we don't have to, what, be accursed by God. And so if Christ became a curse and literally takes the curse off of us and beginning to do that through our lives, then we, even in our jobs, can help redeem where we work at, right? So remember, I know it's a little bit theological, but it's important for us to think right about work before we move into the practicality of it, okay? And so this will then affect your stories because if you realize that God is created work good and then you live in it, realize that it's directly affecting him and the people around you, you're more willing to work well as unto the Lord, right? And so we'll get to that. But God created work good, okay? So let's jump over to Colossians chapter 3. So we see that God and his creation, now let's go over and see after Christ, right, after Christ has come on the cross, how do we begin to live this out, right? Colossians chapter 3, and um, we're going to pick it up in verse 22. Colossians 3.22, I'm going to read all the way to 4.1, all right? It says, Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of the heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Okay? Now, I'm going to ask you to do me a really, really huge favor here. Okay? Ignore all of the slave and master talk. All right? Just kind of ignore that. I know that don't, this is important, okay, so I'm not asking you to ignore something that we know is important, but uh, what we have in our mind when we think of slave master is like, like 12 years a slave type slave master, right? Have y'all seen that movie, right, where it's like very oppressive, right, where whites are owning blacks usually is how it's painted and very, very harsh, and that's not the slavery that was mentioned in the Bible, Okay, for the most part, there was a very different culture of slave master. The best actually kind of translation that we can put it into is employee, employer. All right, so the masters are the employers, the people who kind of own you a little bit, right? They give you your pay, you work for them, and the employees are kind of like the slaves. Now, it doesn't translate perfectly, so don't hold me to that fully, right? But that's the best translation to kind of get the slave translation out of our mind that we usually think. Okay, so if, if you can give me a little bit of liberty in this, translate that, employer, employee, okay, so that we don't have the, the whole slave mentality going through our minds. And then if we ever walk through Colossians, we'll dive into equality a little bit more, um, even looking at these uh, passages. But um, so um, what's Paul's point here, all right? Well, employees, which are most of us in here, you should work well at your job, right? And employers, you should treat your employees fairly and well. Now, why is that? Paul writes something very, very, very significant in the way we view work once again. And this is your second point, is that you work for God. Okay? You work for God. All right? 
So do you see this? Do you see that Paul's saying this? So your reward will ultimately also come from God. In our work, we're not just working for our employer, but rather for God himself, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, whether you eat or drink and whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Okay, so that means work as well. Eating, drinking, working, living, playing, all these things can be done for the glory of God. And so work is included in that, all right? Um, Sebastian uh, Traeger in his book, The Gospel at Work, um, which I'm going to name two books today. Um, if you want further resourcing on work, then I would encourage you on these two books. And this is one of them. It's called The Gospel at Work. Um, but he says, no matter what you do, your job has inherent purpose and meaning because you are doing it ultimately for the king. You are working for God, he says. Who you work for is far more important than what you do. Okay, you tracking with that? Who it is you work for, God, is far more important than what you do at your job. Now ask yourself, do you actually believe this? Because that's not the way that our culture tells us to think about our profession, right? Do you believe that you're ultimately working for God? See, it's very, very easy to think about like the pastor or the missionary as working for God because sometimes we consider that God's work, right? So it's very easy to say, oh, yeah, yeah, he's working for God, but what about you? Right? What about you? In living out God's story, you have to see that our professions are actually working for God himself. We can literally work for God in the things that God has called us to do. And when we do this well, we actually glorify God in the process. Okay? In most jobs, you can be working for God, and we'll explain why and give a few examples. But in order to understand our story and how to intersect with God's story, we have to realize this first and foremost. Ultimately, we can work for God. Right? Once we see this, this will begin to change everything about what we do at our jobs. We'll begin to work at our jobs very differently and see them very differently in light of the gospel. Okay? We're, re we're more ready to carry out what God has called us to do. So imagine you're at your boring job, all right? whatever your job is, and you probably think, oh, it's boring, it's nothing interesting, I don't really like it. Okay? So you're there. Put yourself at work, right? You're at Samsung, you're at Dell, maybe you're at UT, maybe you're a student right now, that's your job, okay? You're sitting in class, you really don't like it, whatever it may be, and your boss comes walking in, right? And he says, hey man, um, I actually uh, just got moved to another company and your new boss is gonna be coming, you'll meet him in like an hour or so. And like, okay, cool. You know, you go back to kind of working, let's just say you're like filing papers, right? The next hour you're filing papers, and then in comes walking Jesus, he's like, hey, what's up, I'm your new boss. All right? Now, at first, you don't really believe it, but you look and you see there's holes in his hands, okay? And there's something different about him, and you're like, I think this is Jesus, right? Would you, at that moment, desire to work harder at your job and do it better? Please answer yes to that, okay, before you get struck down or something, all right? Yes, I know you would. I know that I would, okay? If I saw Jesus very literally, here's my boss coming in, it's Christ, and he's going to be watching me every once in a while, and we'll have some meetings together, you don't have to actually imagine that because it's actually true. Jesus is your boss. Look at verse 22 again. That's what Colossians 3 says, right? Verse 22. Employees, slaves, employees, you, most of us, right, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. Don't just be trying to do this because you know that they are watching, right? Don't just try to gain favor with them, but with sincerity of the heart, fearing the Lord, Okay, having all, having reverence of God. If Christ was your boss, would you have all or reverence? Yes, you wouldn't want to mess up, right? Because you want to honor him, you want to please him. There's a holy fear and reverence put in there. Whatever you do, work heartily as unto the Lord, not for men. Why? Knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as your reward. What does this sentence say? 
you are serving the Lord Christ. You don't have to imagine that Jesus is your boss. He is, right? Like if you have been called out, if you are a Christian, if you say I now uh, associate myself with Christ, he is my savior, then very literally Christ is your boss even at your jobs, right? That's what we're talking about here, job. This is some profession, right? And so there's a huge, huge thing here. You're serving the Lord. You don't have to imagine the situation because that's very true. And once you see this point, this will begin to affect the way that you work in our stories, living out what God has called us to do. Okay, so because God created work, and God created work good, and because we're working for God, then this is where sort of our theological brain kind of gets pushed down into our heart here in, in, in uh, point number three. And uh, that's that if we need to realize that we were, um, that work is actually worship. Sorry. We need to realize that work is worship. Okay, and so once you realize that God actually created work good and that we ourselves are working for God, then we have to see that work is actually an act of worship. Okay, now why do I say this? God is glorified when we do the things that he has created us to do. And so if point one is true and if point one is true, then ultimately we will actually be worshiping him in the process. According to the Bible, you don't just need work to get money to survive. You actually literally need work itself to be a thriving, surviving human being, right? Have you ever seen people who don't work for a long time and how it sort of just like grinds on them almost and something almost comes over them, right? Proverbs talks about the lazy man, the man who is too lazy to even get out of his bed to cook his food. He like catches his food and then he won't cook it. He'll say, oh, there's a tiger out in the street. I can't go out there, right? Do you know people like this, right? Some of us may even struggle with this. Why? Why does that man begin to get that? Because God actually created work not just as a means for money so we can survive. Work itself helps us to thrive as human beings because God is a worker. And since we have been created in the Imago Dei, in the image of God, we ourselves are workers too just like God is. And so when we kind of rebel against what God has called us to do, we lose life. Right? We step away from what God has for us, which is life. And so work actually thrives us. Right? There's something about work that makes us come alive because God created us in that way. We were made to worship and glorify God through our jobs. And, 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 and God is very much glorified when we do those things well. Okay? And so don't miss this. Please don't miss this. In your work, you are worshiping God if you do it well. Your work is worship to God. Okay? We were discussing this idea in community group this week. And um, Huli said that um, when she comes to church, she sometimes comes and she thinks about worship, right? So she comes in and she thinks about singing songs, and then she raises her hands in an act of worship, right? She humbles herself during the teaching, right? She fellowships with other Christians and hangs out with them and loves on them. During communion, she thinks about Christ, and she has to kind of work to get her heart to worship even here at church. And then she said, do I think about my job like that? I was like, man, that, that's the key point right there where if we can get our hearts to begin to believe that, everything will begin to change at work, right? She said, hey, I, I'm ready to worship at church, but do I see my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday as an act of worship as well? Do I come in ready to worship God, humbling myself, asking him to bless it so that he can be glorified, right? And for most of us, we can probably say, no, we don't do that. Right? We go into work and kind of live out uh, monotonous or day-to-day lives, just get the paycheck to paycheck or whatever it may be. Right? Many of you even, I, I, and I would kind of argue this, don't find fulfillment in coming to church for the same reason. Right? You're not ready to worship God. 
And so what is this except for an oratory kind of message unless you're actually realizing that the word is true and can affect our lives? What is singing except for kind of hearing some music, which we can do in our car, or unless we realize that this is an opportunity to corporately worship God, which brings him much joy? What is communion except for bread and juice unless we realize that this is an act that begins to, 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 to really show us and re- help us to remember what Jesus did for us? What is fellowship, right? Because we can do that going to third base or going to wherever we may want to go to today, watch the sports game together. What is fellowship unless we realize this is an act of worship? And so many people kind of come to church and go out and feel a little bit empty because they themselves weren't ready to worship God at church. That, the same thing is true at most of our jobs, right? We're not ready to worship God at our jobs. We're not ready to get, uh, give him the glory that he deserves through our jobs. And so then we go through them day to day and we don't do them well, right? We don't do them well. Um, work is worship, and so we have to realize that and that God is glorified in these things, okay? Do you figuratively lift your hands at work, right? Julie was talking about how sometimes she'll come to church and she'll just like start crying, overwhelmed at God's goodness. Now, your boss doesn't need you to be crying at work, okay? But are you able to begin to see, man, there's something glorifying about this. There's something that brings much praise to God. Are you ready to worship God at your job? Because if you do that, if you realize that point one is true, God created work, right, and he created good, and that point two is true, then all of a sudden point three can begin to come true in your hearts and you begin to worship God at your jobs and what you do, right? Um, Martin Luther had two really good quotes on this topic on work and worship. Um, One of them he said, the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. Now remember, God's work versus kind of just the normal job, we tend to separate those two, right? Not because, Luther says, she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoe, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. And this is true. Isn't God a good craftsman? I mean, look at the creation, right? Look at all of the systems that he created down to the the blades of grass or or, or whatever's in your body, right? The molecular structure or whatever. Like, look at all of those things, whether big or small, God is a good craftsman. And so when we craft things well, we're representing him. We are literally acting in the Imago Dei, which is what he's created us to do. Right? And Martin Luther says, look, this is good. This is Christian living in that way. You represent him well. Luther also said, the prince should think, Christ has served me and made everything to follow him. Therefore, I should also serve my neighbor and protect him and everything that belongs to him. This is why God has given me this office, and I have it that I might serve him. That would be a good prince and ruler. When a prince sees his neighbor oppressed, he should think, this concerns me. I must protect and shield my neighbor. The same is true for the shoemaker, tailor, scribe, or reader. If he is a Christian tailor, he will say, I make these clothes because God has bidden me to do so, so that I can earn a living, so that I can help and serve my neighbor. When a Christian does not serve the other, God is not present, and this is not Christian living. Do you see the gospel in this? Right? The prince says, hey, Jesus served me when I was broken. Jesus came down and rescued me. So as a result, the office that God has given me, I will now serve other people. I will try my hardest to make sure that they themselves are served as I've been served in Christ. Isn't that what Paul is saying here in Colossians 3? Jesus has saved you. Now work heartily as unto the Lord. 
right? You are representing him in the process. This is pleasing to God because it is reflecting him and his character. And please listen to this. God loves you. Because God loves you, he created work to bless you, right? And we'll get to that in a second because Tim Keller has a great quote on that. But that brings us to our last point, okay? And this is a little bit of a, of a wordy point. I couldn't shrink this down any smaller, okay? But um, I said that God has called you to work and carry out his mission because he loves his glory and he loves others, okay? God has created you to work for those two purposes. What do I mean by this? Well, work is great, but unless we see the ultimate purpose within it, then, like Solomon in Ecclesiastes, we begin to make work the ultimate end in and of itself, and we don't find fulfillment or joy in it. Solomon was looking for work to kind of make much of him. So Solomon said, I worked and I toiled, and then it came back as nothing. Because when work is the end in and of itself, when work is the Savior, we don't find joy in it. But when work is a means to something greater, when work is just a step to do the next thing, which is to glorify God, then work becomes a great tool in which our ultimate end can come true. Okay? So realize that God will call us to our jobs for his glory and for others' good. And this is where we begin to see our lives intersect with God's life is right here. Right? If we can see this, when we have value and purpose and mission in our job, particularly the third one is what I want to hit on, right? But if we can see that point is true, then we'll have value in our job. We'll have purpose. We'll have a mission. We'll be called out by God. Even the most monotonous jobs can seem lovely and beautiful then if we begin to see this truth, right? Um, look at, go back two books to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. I always think it's a really interesting verse when looking at work. Paul says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor or work, doing honest work with his own hands. Why? So that he may have something to share with anyone who is in need. Why do you make money? Because you want to help others. Isn't that what God's heart is to make sure that we as a people are taken care of, we as a people are provided for? Work is one of the means to that. The Christian says, hey, I'm acting just the same way that God is acting in my job. I'm going to work hard so that somebody else can be blessed as a result of my work. When work is a means to fulfill you or to make much of you, it'll crush you. And that's where most of us are, and that's why we hate our jobs. Right? Because when work is a means to make much of your name, when it's supposed to kind of validate who you are as a human being, it's going to crush you. Because the only thing that can validate you as a human being is Jesus Christ. However, though, when work is a means at which to glorify God, then it can fulfill us. Do you see the difference there, the shift there? When we realize that God created work to serve others, to bless his name, make much of him, we represent him and extend our hand out to others, we can then begin to work well. If you realize that your job has purpose beyond yourself, you will see that work is beautiful and wonderful, even to God himself, right? Tim Keller has the second book that I want you to write down. If you want more information about work, you want to study this more. He has a book called Every Good Endeavor, and it's a great, great, great book, um, yeah, it's a great book. So write it down. I would even encourage you to read it. Even if you don't struggle with work and you just want more motivation to keep working hard, this is a really good book. One of the things he said in it, though, is a job is a vocation or a calling, okay, only if someone else calls you to do it for them rather than for yourself. And so our work can be a calling only if it is reimagined as a mission of service to something beyond merely our own interests. That's such an important sentence there. Thinking of work mainly as a means of self-fulfillment and self-realization slowly crushes a person, 
right? And that's where a lot of us fill in work. But we are continuing of uh, uh, forming and filling and subduing the earth just like God commanded Adam to do in the garden. Whenever we bring order out of chaos, okay, or whenever we draw out our creative potential or unfold God's creation to make it better than where we saw it in the first place, we're following God's pattern of cultural development across the earth. Right? We are following what God has called us to do. We are making much of his name. We're reflecting him. And if this is for the sake of others, if this is so that we are worshiping God and loving our neighbor as we're commanded to, if this is so that we bless them, then we worship God in work, and work becomes one of the most important ways of which we live out the stories that God has called us to live out. Right? This is how our story begins to interact with God's story, when we can reimagine and reconceive what the purpose of work is. Not to make much of your name, but to make much of God in doing work well and to bless others around us. Okay? And this is good news because your work can now have purpose and value. When you see it in light of the gospel, your work all of a sudden becomes vivid. Right? Even the most boring jobs. Right? You may be thinking, my job sucks. I don't work with people or I don't make these huge things that really help people. That's not true. That's not true, okay? No job is too small. To the best uh, count that I could do just in this past week, I saw 114 different jobs mentioned in Scripture, okay? Only like five or six of them were pastoral ministry-type jobs, right? Bankers, lawyers, politicians, musicians, writers, generals, pastors, judges, gardeners, farmers, counselors, builders, athletes, all of these things are mentioned in Scripture, and all of them actually glorify God. See, we get tricked into thinking that the giants of the faith were all doing God's work as like pastors or missionaries. And that's not fully true, right? Adam was a gardener. Noah was a builder, right? Abraham was just a herdsman and a trader when God called him. Joshua was a general. Gideon was a judge. David was a king, let's say president or politician, Right? We think of David as like a, 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 a pastor. David was a politician. But this was the way that God wanted to carry out his plan at redeeming the world through David's position in his job. Right? Daniel was a high government official. Luke was a physician. Jesus, before he entered into what we would call full-time ministry, was a carpenter. Right? Peter was a fisherman. We can go on and on and on. But all these men had jobs in which they were able to glorify God through their jobs. So, so many people who changed the world for the course of the gospel just had professional jobs. Right? They were doing what you and I are doing right now. And they made a drastic impact in the life of, the, uh, of this earth. Right? They made much of Jesus in the process. Keller says this, and I love this point. So think about it. Maybe your job is you make little uh, widgets, right? You make like little screws, and you think, well, I don't really do much. All I do is make screws. This is what Keller says. Look at the chair that you're lounging in. Could you have made it for yourself? How would you get, say, the wood, go and fell a tree, but only after first making the tools for that and putting together some sort of vehicle to haul the wood and constructing a mill to do the lumber and roads to drive from place to place. In short, a lifetime or two to make one chair, maybe. If we worked not for 40, but 140 hours per week, we couldn't make ourselves from scratch even a fraction of the goods and services that we call our own. Our paycheck turns out to buy us the use of far more than we could possibly make for ourselves in the time it takes us to earn that check. Work yields far more in return upon our efforts than our particular jobs put in. You tracking with them? So you make the screws and think, well, I don't really do much. 
but these chairs have screws in them, right? And the one person makes the plastic and the one, and all of a sudden our paycheck can go to buy a chair for us to sit in or a TV for us to watch or a carpet for our babies to crawl around on or milk for us to drink or whatever it may be. And so in our jobs, literally, God has created the world in such a way so that when we are working together and doing it well, the whole community, the world, is blessed by each other. Do you see how God created work in that way? So your job does literally impact other people. This affects the way you see everything, right? So work is such a, a dynamic thing. I know this is not the most, you know, rah-rah sermon or but. If you can go into your job realizing that this is a way that you can worship God, if you can go into your job realizing that God created work good, and that through this you can actually bless many other people, and this brings much glory to God, you see that God's story begins to interact with your story, and they line up and they parallel together. And so whether you are a pastor, or you are a nurse, or you are a teacher, or a banker, or whatever you may be doing, right, a mom, a student, no matter what you do, you can begin to glorify God in your job, right? As long as it's not inherently evil in and of itself. And so there's so much value in work, right? And one more point before we finish. Realize that God has probably put you in your jobs not just to make a product to bless others, but even to make much of his name by sharing the gospel with people that you see at your job. Acts 17, verses 26 and 27. I'm not even going to read it right now. We don't have time for it. But you can write that down. It says that God has sovereignly placed us where he has placed us at so that we can have the best chance to come in to find out who he is because he's not far from any one of us. And so we live where we live so that we can have the best chance to come in and know Jesus. That's why your neighbors are who they are. That's why you're, we work where we work so that we can have the best chance to come in and know Jesus and so that others around us can have that same opportunity. Heck, some of you may even be sitting in here because somebody invited you from your job. That's pretty cool. Because what is God doing? God put that person in your life because he wants you to know who he is. That may be the first step toward many steps at finding out how beautifully amazing the God of the universe is. By putting this Christian next to your cubicle, this Christian next to your house, this Christian, wherever it may be. God is trying to draw the whole world to himself. And so in your work, realize that God has you there, if you're a Christian, to make much of his name in so many ways. Whether it be ambassadors and sharing the gospel, whether it be loving others by, by working hard, whether it be recognizing Jesus is your boss and because of that you're going to work hard, realizing you're reflecting him in the process. God does so many things through our job. And so I would encourage you, work hard as unto the Lord. That is one of the biggest ways that our stories can interact with his. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that no matter what we do, um, that we would really make much of your name, Jesus, at our jobs. Um, God, I know that it's hard, um, and I know that sometimes there are uh, struggles and frustrations and work produces thorns and thistles because we live in the fall, but God, I pray that we would really, really work hard at our jobs to glorify you, Jesus. I would love to see everybody that's here, I would love to see one of the character qualities coming out of the well is that we're just hard workers. 
God, whether it be serving um, different people, we're a counselor, whether it be serving children because we're a teacher, whether it be serving our kids as stay-at-home moms or dads, whether no matter what it would be, God, making a product to bless others around us, I pray that we would work hard and that you would embolden us to share about your beautiful name at our jobs with the people around us, God, so that you can receive glory, so that your name can be blessed. Lord, I pray that we would be hard workers, realizing that we're working for you, not for men. Praise in your precious name. Amen.